Hello and welcome to the Serpent Cast. I am Sophie St. Thomas. And I'm Annabelle Gatt. And on today's show, we have Dia. Hi. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Dia Dynasty, one of my favorite people. I was already <laughs> pointed out that my mug looks like human flesh. <laughs> a little bit like a um, an eating vessel made out of like stomach, like haggis. <laughs> yeah. I like I like how your mind works. Would you introduce yourself and also tell our listeners your sign and your Hogwarts house? Absolutely. My name is Dia Dynasty. I am a professional dominatrix based in New York City and also one half of La Maison de Rouge. And so we've had Sophie on our yeah. Periscope. We do a um, weekly live broadcast every Monday with all kinds of interesting kink related people of interest <laughs> and a um, beautiful space <laughs> thank you yeah so my sun sign is Sagittarius I'm sorry to interrupt you there's my cat one of my cats is currently stepping all over the recording equipment we're just gonna <laughs> let her keep going but if you hear any strange noises that is mom cat my uh my sun sign is Sagittarius my moon sign is Leo and my rising is Aquarian I believe and this is based on uh, like a, a little internet quiz because I'm not that familiar with Hogwarts and Harry Potter, even though I know what it is. My house would be Slytherin, and that would be because I am fully embracing of my dark side. <laughs> <laughs> We're all Slytherins here. Oh, awesome. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God, my fucking cat. Sorry, she's like putting her head right up to the mic. What, what house do you think Mama Cat's in? Oh, this bitch is a Slytherin for sure. <laughs> what about Tomcat? Oh, he's a Hufflepuff. Aww. Yeah, he, totally. <laughs> he's so brawny, that's why. Um, so, so Dia, you just got back from traveling. Where were you? I was in Bali, Indonesia for um, almost two weeks. And it was a very interesting trip because the first half I spent with... Um, my co-founder of Le Maison de Rouge, Lucy Sweetkill, yeah. and some of her friends. And we stayed in this very luxurious villa in Changu, which is kind of like the trendy area of Bali. And the villa was, you know, beautiful, like glass and pool, infinity pool overlooking a rice paddy and um, full service staff. Uh, I don't mean full service as in like all the services, <laughs> but most of the most wrong of the creature with full service. We also was <laughs> anyways, um, continue. <laughs> um, just like very Instagram worthy, you know, like mm. they have a they have an internet presence where there's lots of models and beautiful people hanging out in their dwellings. And then the second half of the Bali trip was spent in a tiny village called Saba with some friends of my partners and um and it, you know they're a family they have children they the the wife is indonesian and so she has her her family and her village like presence and uh and it was this it was the last day of a 10-day festival that was about um this holiday that kind of embraces the the dark and the light and the the balancing of the two um so there are a lot of um, kind of spiritual rituals woven into the everyday. And the very last day was called Kuningan, which is uh, the day of yellow. And yellow is kind of the representation of the, the resurgence of light, you know, the, the, the sun. Yeah, yeah, the sun coming back. And, um, and it was really fascinating to experience 
Bali on so many different levels, you know, in such a short amount of time. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I have so many questions and thoughts regarding witchcraft. I mean, everything, but oh my God, that, it's so fucking cool that there's festivals embracing the light and dark. Oh, totally. Yeah, and, and I'd love to hear more of your, your thoughts on that. And Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so what re- really resonated with me was, okay, so there's there's these two uh, entities and they are the dark and the light. Of course, the, the light is represented by um, this male god named Barong. And he's like basically, you know, the Jesus Christ. Like he's, he, he or Sun Ra or whatever, you know, male entity uh-huh. um, that that brings brings the light is representative of the day and and yellow. And then the the darkness is represented by a basically a sea witch named Ragna. Ragna. Sea witch. <laughs> yes. And and they look actually very similar, but um, but like they both have these big bulgy eyes and all these teeth. And but Ragna is like. Uh, has this body of like this old kind of like Baba Yaga type of witch like she's kind of you know got these pendulous breasts and she's rumored to eat children and she lives in the sea and yeah old woman off in the woods or under the water totally yeah yeah. like representative of all the dark and the mysterious parts of femininity that and the parts that society doesn't like his you know traditionally at least at least you know american society they don't like when women get Mm-mm. old and don't look like little fuck dolls anymore oh yeah excuse me how blunt that was but totally, <laughs> totally. yeah and and she's of course like that part of femininity that's crone like and like gets defeated because nobody wants her around but you still have to accept that she you know is a part of life mm-hmm. and you have to appease her with gifts and offerings and things so she doesn't like turn everything upside down so yeah that that was really like there's you know there's equal representations of these two gods everywhere and and i just love that it's like you know they're they're not trying to oppress the the idea of her and trying to negate her and her powers they they're like most balinese people are like oh yeah she's just as important yeah 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 well, I noticed that you have these tattoos on your fingers, and I could only see one, which was the sun. Do you have other astrological symbols? Oh, yeah. Do they, are you into astrology? Absolutely. <laughs> so I have um, on my and, – and I don't remember, like, what all the the fingers represent on the hand, but I know that there's, you know, like – Yeah. Correspondences, I've, I've yes. Been, I'm getting into my finger tattoos, and I've been just researching this. So I, anyway, I want to awesome. hear what you say, yeah. So, um, so this is the – the sun on my pointer finger and then the moon on my middle finger of my right hand. And then these, these are more arbitrary. This is my ruling sign, uh, Jupiter or the ruling planet Planet, of, of Sagittarius and then fire, which is the element of Sagittarius. And then this, unfortunately, uh, (laughs) it's not so unfortunate because nobody would ever know, but, um, I had my natal chart done with an incorrect birth time, which is, um, which gave me a Capricorn rising, which is what this sign is. And, uh, and actually, I'm a Aquarius, Aquarius rising, which right. I resonate with so much more. But um, sun in Sagittarius, moon in Leo on my middle finger, and then ring finger is my incorrect rising sign. And then this is the Venus, which I don't know. Like, I just was like, I really like the Venus sign. I didn't really want to know what else to put on my pinky. <laughs> Yeah. So one thing I love to ask um, anyone who's in an S&M relationship or anyone who works as a dominatrix, 
is about your take on the magical application of subspace. Basically, my question is, have you noticed in your work, of course, it's going to be different in someone's work versus in their personal life, but in your work, have you, do you feel like you're able to see magic happen with your clients? Have you seen interesting things manifest when maybe you're with a client and you're thinking about, I really want to have like, you know, Italian tonight. And then, <laughs> and you know, you're just like, you're just whipping them. And then someone calls you right afterward and you get the Italian that you were thinking of. Like, has oh, anything yeah. like that ever happened? Um, yes. And both for positive and negative because yeah. it's such a powerful space. Yeah. And it's, it's like when you are creating a scene for somebody, you're basically creating a container, which is like creating a circle. Yeah. And, and there is that space within that circle or that container of the scene to to work magic to tap into the unconscious to um, connect with the divine and and so if you have a submissive who is open and willing to be a conduit into that then then it makes for like a very cooperative kind of dance and and a lot of times you know um, I allow the submissive to know what I'm doing and so that they can be a part of it in their own like um, in their own like unconscious willingness mm -hmm. to to be a conduit instead of just kind of like it being a non-consensual like tragic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um so so i've i've done um i've actually done sex magic in my in my scenes before Ooh. and i've also done rituals where where a, a very clear intention was set and then um the result was achieved also like a few days later um, so there's, you know, there's little things that I do also that, that are, I call binding rituals mm -hmm. where, um, I don't want to give it all away, but I know but it involves like, I, I'm like listening to you talk and I'm like, this is why <laughs> we have initiations because stuff like this is so, I don't want to call it sensitive as, as though like, oh my God, it's sensitive, but it's like, this is like serious fucking information you're giving out. It is. And Yeah. It is. And yeah. so I will I will allude to it more generally yes. where um, where there is a process of kind of like connecting with, you know, the submissive and I connecting. And and this, of course, all happens within the scene um, where the connection is physical. And then um, and then the next and then there's, you know, a, a few more steps that are ritualized where the the submissive. Um, takes me unto them mm -hmm. in some form and and then it it's like I become a part of them or they become a part of me it's it's not so much like an exchange of body fluids but it's more like a a keeping like a like an acquiring of something of the other person so that you are somehow be, beholden to them mm -hmm. um and then there's you know those are smaller rituals that I do and then there's larger things that that have happened where um, I've helped a I've helped a submissive like or, or a slave actually because um, I don't do this with just anybody um, I've helped him like get a job and and it was really amazing to know like you know this this very intentional ritual that we did uh, yielded a result like so immediately like wow. three days later he got this new job that's yeah. amazing yeah and, I mean it sounds of... like you've had training in ceremonial magic so it is that true? Um, not ceremonial magic. No, I've I've always been um, 
a solitary practitioner um and i've just begun uh i guess convening with a coven i thought mm. to say i was like i know you're in a coven <laughs> <laughs> yes work. yes um yeah it's kind of like it's kind of in its very beginning stages and so we don't have initiation we don't even have like protocol uh, or i don't know that's not really a, a magic thing is it it's more like a bdsm thing um no i think like that's the amazing thing about bdsm is that it has so many parallels to magic especially to ceremonial magic mm -hmm. it's just the two are just walk hand in hand yeah. And protocol is like, is it BDSM? Is it ceremonial magic? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's like all the same. It's it's yeah. all the things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's really important to have um, I guess a a group of people to to be with to talk about these things. Um, the coven is um, kind of elastic right now, and and I really value being connected to all these women. Uh, but a lot of times it's like. Um, a little overwhelming like the exchange of information and, and personal stories and stuff like that so so I think um, I think that that for me being like an extreme introvert and and kind of like easily overwhelmed by a lot of different types of energy and, and even like sound um, I need to figure out a way to, to I guess like uh, bring myself into a space where I can receive these kinds of interactions without feeling like um over overwhelmed so easily um and there's there's a lot of really really interesting people in the coven that that i really value uh, i don't want to be disconnected from them but i don't want to be in constant contact with them either mm -hmm. you know like well i'm curious you know from the coven to your work you have to set up boundaries and fields to keep you from totally absorbing and getting caught up in other people's energies so i'm curious if you have any tips on on how to do that well um <laughs> i think what you just mentioned having these boundaries is really important um the the coven is is like so loose that that each member just like brings people in and and they come and go and and there's this um you know dm thread on on instagram of all of us you know just like exchanging information and and i don't really participate in that because i'm it's just too much and there's a part of me that kind of wants to leave the group to be like you know i don't have a problem with you guys you know talking to each other but i don't i don't want to know like it's you know the, this boundary and, and it almost feels like rude to me to 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 say this or to to want it for myself but i know that um that everybody interacts on different levels and some of us are like always exchanging information with other people and and then some of us are just like you know a little more closed off and well some people use covens as like that that's where they find their friendship and like that piece of like nutrition in their lives which sure. is totally fine yeah but for other people they join a coven because they want to do magic and like and, yes. and and to include that magic into their everyday life takes away from like the specialness of it somehow yeah and i've had both kinds in my life like when i belong to a larger initiatory system it was weird because many of the people were my friends, but kind of once I joined and was initiated, um, being like in the Facebook group and everything, it was like, I 
don't want to know anything about this until I see the all of you that the yes set time you know or whatever it is um so yeah that's exactly what it is for me and I, I'm still feeling it out you know like I I don't um I don't have a a large group of friends and navigating this kind of like you know like I finally am in a place in my adult life where I have several communities of people that I can interact with and and feel really good about but it I'm still like highly introverted and still need like a whole lot of alone time and don't want to be um in touch with everybody all the time either so I'm still kind of like feeling that out yeah navigating it yeah so it's really helpful actually to hear you say that (laughs) can you talk to us about the phenomenon of dom drop has it ever happened to you? Yes, it does. Um, I feel like everyone always talks about how, like, oh, like, if you're submissive, like, talk to your partner about making sure that there's, like, a safe space afterward to, like, talk about things. But no one talks about that for the dom. True. Yeah. And and a lot of times, you know, the dom isn't looking for the submissive to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, dom drop or top drop is very real. And I've, I've experienced it in a way where I was so so like in this space that I didn't um I didn't know what to do like I just needed to take a couple days off and so I have to say that sometimes it's like floaty and awesome and you know like it's um it's a high Mm -hmm. and then other times it feels like uh like a strange depression Mm -hmm. and so I think that I guess I guess the the top space is more just about being the high and then the the top drop is is the like the the sunken place of the yeah. sunken place. Yeah. <laughs> um so I had gone to um this high protocol BDSM training chateau in upstate New York called La Domaine Esmer and it's run by one of my good friends Mistress Couple. And I um, love I I yeah. She's really fantastic. I've interviewed her several times. Oh. I always had a lovely, lovely experience. Yeah, she, yeah. She really, she's on. You know. Yeah. She's on it. Yeah, she is. Um, so so it's it's a very immersive environment where um, high protocol is just kind of like how everything is. Like everybody that's a slave, you know, is always naked, sitting on the ground, um, does everything that the tops or the dominants tell them to do. Um, they really have no power and and a lot of times um it, it's like it, it's almost jarring to be around that 24 7 so um I went there with a few submissives and uh one slave and um and I was when I was there with this one slave like it, it was a rocky relationship and so there were times when I think that he he wanted to not be in the role of submissive he wasn't like a deeply submissive person unfortunately Mm. and and i'm which brought out my like cruel dominant side even Ah. more yeah the dynamics of relationships are endlessly fascinating to me Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so so a lot of times like i felt like i wanted to just like break him in half (laughs) and um and he was just kind of this like insolent sulky child sometimes and had abandonment issues and you know like needed some emotionally coddling and stuff like that and and I was just like no this is not the time for that and um and so it was like a whole weekend of that kind of dynamic and it was um 
it was difficult. And so afterward, I felt like numb and I felt like, like I wanted to, um, like I just kind of wanted to be mean to everybody around me. <laughs> um, and so, so I spent some time like just not talking to anybody and just coming off of that. Well, it's really big of you to be <laughs> self-reflective. I think a lot of people are mean to people for reasons that have nothing to do with them, but not many people have the ability to recognize that, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, As a sex and relationships writer who has spoken to countless people who have had a toxic partner, and I don't, I'm not saying you're a toxic partner, but I'm just saying that it takes a ton of work to have that sort of self awareness to be like oh I'm being rude to people and has nothing to do with them I'm gonna take some time for myself so I applaud you Thank big you. yeah a lot of a lot of self-awareness skills which are highly valuable in all areas of your life and we've talked about how magic how your magic practice and your work as a dominatrix are intertwined currently mm -hmm. I'm curious a bit about the development of them both and if there was, I know for me personally, my spiritual practice and my sexuality and growing into both of them, I see very much as a common thread. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you do and if you have anything to say about that. I would definitely say that the development of, of my craft and my spirituality have run parallel. And, um, and before I even became... Um, like aware of my own kinks, uh, I was on a spiritual path. And so, so that's kind of bolstered, like, um, my ability to, to, to bring, um, I guess like, a like this intention of healing into my craft as well. And when I first was working at a house and, and just kind of learning the craft, um, it was a lot of fun. And, and I wasn't really necessarily exploring my own sexuality at that point. It was more just like, how do I, um, how do I do this thing? Like, how do, how do I become good at being a dom? Uh -huh. And, and then after I learned, you know, like after, I guess like five years of, of learning the craft, I felt like I was still trying to integrate myself into it. And, and by, by wanting to integrate my, you know, who I was into it, I realized that there was a lot of opportunities for like a therapeutic interaction with clients through BDSM and who found um, like the, the comfort of being in a space of vulnerability and having somebody hold that space to be really important for their own healing. And so I was like, oh, this is great, you know, because then I could bring my own spirituality into this. And, and, and like, I, th I think that, um, you know, BDSM doesn't necessarily have to be a spiritual experience, but I think a lot of people do sometimes see it as a, a mystical experience where they don't really understand rationally and logically what's going on because so much of it is happening in the subconscious. And I feel like magic is also like a very kind of subconscious act that you're making conscious with symbols and you know rituals in in your act and so they just it just made sense to to bring them together and um and and I would have to say that the the very last element would be my own sexuality is bringing that into 
into Minecraft, which came a lot later. Um, just because, like, I guess I just always saw my sexuality as, like, this this house that was a little bit, yeah, it was a little empty on the inside, but I, like, built up the garden. <laughs> so it was just, like, come into my garden, you know, like, where I have all the, like, I have this, this great gnome collection and, like, <laughs> all these flowers and herbs and this sex wing. But, like, don't come into the house because I'm not you know, I haven't furnished the house. <laughs> and so, so I've, you know, in the last few years, I've been more concentrating on furnishing the house. And, and when I, you know, when I feel more comfortable with my own sexuality and being kind of like, um, this weirdo pervert that doesn't always know how to, how to bring, bring my own sexuality into my craft in a more healthy way. Um, but is slowly, you know, doing that, then I will have become um like a fully fleshed out uh, dom. Mm -hmm. Exciting. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty exciting. Um, I, I think like, you know, I've actually had a lot of shame around my own um, sexuality being kind of strange and difficult to talk about because a lot of it has to do with taboos yeah, and I was about to say, I keep wanting to be like, don't call it strange. I know you, you know, yeah. I want to edit this, like not edit you, but. Yeah, I, I, I want to yeah. redefine. I mean, what, there's what nothing wrong. I mean, strange is a beautiful word. I I would love to be. I, oh, yeah. I am strange. I love to be strange. I just. Yeah, as long as it's safe, you know, or risk aware, whatever guidelines we, we works best for you. Who I mean, I love a good pervy fucked up fantasy or it's or so reality many. yeah it's so many of those things and and i i don't mean strange in a pejorative way you of know course. And, yeah and it's like peculiar and and kind of shifty and and because not, taboos not the everyday that's no. a good yeah. word peculiar there's, yeah, there's, yeah there's no there's you know there's no constant about it like sometimes if it's if it's exciting in the moment, then yes, but it's not always going to be exciting for me. And um, and to kind of loop back on, you know, being a house of Slytherin, like I love snakes and I, I identify with them. Oh, yeah. The way they may, it looks like this fight, this this dance of death. But my favorite thing is that the women or the female snake. Okay, so I'm just going to, like, talk about, like, I'm talking about heterosexual sex between humans. So the dude comes inside the woman, and she gets, she, her body somehow just can store that sperm and decide when and if she wants to release an egg. I forget the exact amount of time, but it's something, like, up to, like, nine months or something. If. So, yeah, so she can have unprotected sex, not on birth control, hold on to that sperm in case she wants a baby, but if she doesn't, if she just was, like, there for, like, the fight, fuck, she can not make her body and herself make can make the choice to not get pregnant. So does she re eject it? I'm not sure the details of it, but I wow. know that female snakes are able to control their egg release. And it just because they're, like, if it's not, like, t most, I mean, they're not mammals, but it's not, like, many creatures where... You know, an egg is released and there's semen and mm -hmm. there's and implantation. Yeah. The female snake has control over the release of the egg and the timing and the pregnancy. And when I read that, I was just like that, that when I was debating about this tattoo, 
um because it was a tattoo i got with a former partner which obviously is a really big deal and also super kinky mm-hmm. and and lots of other things um and also very questionable and lots of other topics we've gotten into but when i started actually researching snake mating i was like whoa this is dope yeah that's yeah amazing yeah so a lot of times i'll hear people who are doms say something to the effect of because I am so dominant in my everyday life and in my work and with these people who come see me in my other relationships, I kind of just want to like let that go and relinquish that. But one of the things I feel like I've learned from you today is that it seems like you really bring a lot of your own personal self into the work that you do as a dominatrix. So I was wondering if that ever rings true for you or if you have a totally different take on this thing that I hear often. Um, I think both are true. You know, yeah. I think that it really depends on what kind of uh dominatrix you are and Mm -hmm. and there's lots of different kinds out there some are um you know that some people have this I don't want to say control issue but they maybe they come from a place of um having less control in their life and so being dominant is like a constant Mm-hmm. and and there is there's no negotiating that and you know like they're willing to do some things um for their for their clients but uh but there's there's no you know they they don't do any sort of submissive work and they're not submissive in their in their personal lives either and then um and then you have some people that are looking for a balance of power mm-hmm. in their lives and so they're and this this goes for submissives too so it's like if you have um, some sort of daily routine or um, kind of like professional occupation that requires you to always be on top of your stuff and to be the person that answers all the questions and controls and directs everything, then there will definitely be times when you would seek out like a like a relinquishing of that control and, and not wanting to be the person in charge of everything all the time. Yeah. And I think that 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 happens a lot with um with uh like cis hetero males that are like maybe married with children and in some sort of high powered high position in their lives um just looking for a place to be safe and vulnerable and uh, and let go of control and then for doms of course like <clears throat> there's definitely some that are you know, less dominant in their personal lives. Um, but it really depends on the personality of the, of the dom. Yeah, totally. Too. Yeah. And, and there's also like dominants who are, um, who are happy to do like service topping mm-hmm. also where, where they're not necessarily like, like I want to control the scene doing everything that I want to do. They're more open to, um, scripts or, um, whatever it is that, you know, the, the other person wants to do yeah also yeah and um and then there's people that are like fetish worker fetish workers and and it's there isn't necessarily like a power exchange there yeah and i find that um that a few of the um a few of the the women that i know who are more like kinky companions are also fetish workers too Mm -hmm. so if people want to follow you or learn more about you how can they do that um, I have a website so you can learn about, um, I guess my style of domination through that and also a blog on that. That would be dominadynasty.com, um, D-O-M-I-N-A-D-Y-N-A-S-T-Y. And then, um, on social media, I'm pretty, 
active on Twitter, uh, and that's also Domita Dynasty on Twitter. And then on Instagram, um, I'm slightly less active because the algorithms really piss me off. <laughs> but it's very useful. Um, you have so a gorgeous Instagram. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's very well curated and stunning. Thank you. I, I mean, you know, like it's something that I, I enjoy curating, uh -huh. but I know that kind of like the algorithms are always. It's fucked up. Yeah, yeah but it's beautiful. If you go, 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 go lurk her page. It's beautiful. So on Instagram, I'm um, Dia, D-I-A, two underscores, Dynasty, D-Y-N-A-S-T-Y. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. So if you all at home want to support us, you can head over to www.patreon.com slash the serpent cast. And thank you so much to Boudica for, um, to con for contributing to us and helping us out. It, it makes such a huge difference. And if you want to follow Sophie, you can do so on Instagram and Twitter at the Bowie cat. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Annabelle Gat on Instagram and at Annabelle Gat underscore on Twitter. Anything else you want to say? This is a Tuesday morning that you are listening to. If you are in the New York City area on Wednesday, I am throwing and hosting a party called David Bowie's Goth Phase at St. Vitus Bar in Greenpoint. There will be to celebrate his birthday and his death day with both, both happen during Capricorn season. There's going to be Bowie flash tattoos and Bowie burlesque and Bowie karaoke and a Bowie costume contest and Bowie drink specials. And I will be there with my new Ziggy Stardust haircut. And I'd love you to come too. Tickets are $10 at the door. And I promise it's really worth it. That sounds amazing. You should come. Okay. Seriously. <laughs> oh, and there and there's pro doms there also. If so, you can get flogged or and a tarot reader. Magic. Yeah, I got you covered. <laughs> <laughs>